No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where the priests place the Ark of the Covenant in the most holy place, and the Lord's glory fills the temple so the priests can't even minister. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in 1 Kings chapter 8 on Simply the Bible. If I were to ask you, what was the purpose of the temple of God? How would you respond? Probably most of us would say that it was a place where people could meet with God and assemble with other worshipers. And we would be correct in that answer. But its original purpose was to give God a place where he could dwell with his people. Solomon was commissioned by God to build the temple. It took him seven and a half years to do it. Now it was time for the Lord to possess his house. We continue in 1 Kings chapter 8. Now Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the chief fathers of the children of Israel, to King Solomon in Jerusalem, that they might bring up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from the city of David, which is Zion. Therefore all the men of Israel assembled with King Solomon at the feast in the month of Ephanim, which is the seventh month. This was a very important day, and Solomon wanted to assemble all the leaders of Israel to witness it. David had moved the Ark of the Covenant to the city of David, which is also called Zion. There he built a tent for it, but the rest of the tabernacle had been in Gibeon, about five and a half miles north of Jerusalem. Now everything would be brought together into one permanent temple, that would be the house of the Lord. They gathered in the seventh month for the Feast of Tabernacles, which was the Autumn Harvest Festival. So all the elders of Israel came, and the priests took up the ark. Then they brought up the ark of the Lord, the tabernacle of meeting, and all the holy furnishings that were in the tabernacle. The priests and the Levites brought them up also King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel who were assembled with him were with him before the ark, sacrificing sheep and oxen that could not be counted or numbered for multitude. Then the priests brought in the ark of the covenant of the Lord to its place into the inner sanctuary of the temple, to the most holy place under the wings of the cherubim. For the cherubim spread their two wings over the place of the ark, and the cherubim overshadowed the ark and its poles. The poles extended so that the ends of the poles could be seen from the holy place in front of the inner sanctuary, but they could not be seen from outside. And they are there to this day. Nothing was in the ark except the two tablets of stone which Moses put there at Horeb, when the Lord made a covenant with the children of Israel when they came out of the land of Egypt. When David first attempted to transport the Ark of the Covenant, he made the mistake of putting it on a cart, and someone died as a result. But the prescribed manner was that the priests would carry the Ark on poles, which is what they did here. 
The Ark of the Covenant was the only original tabernacle furnishing in Solomon's temple. The golden altar of incense, the ten golden lampstands, and ten tables of showbread were all newly built by Solomon, as was the bronze laver, or sea, and the bronze altar for burnt offering in the courtyard of the priests. On that day, so many sheep and oxen were sacrificed that they couldn't be counted. Why was that? Was it for celebration or for atonement in case they made a mistake transporting the ark? I don't know. The priests put the ark in the most holy place under the cherubim. These two cherubim stood 15 feet tall facing the door to the holy place with their wings spread out and touching at the tips so that they covered the entire 30-foot width of the inner sanctuary. They overshadowed the ark with its two solid gold cherubim facing each other on the mercy seat or the lid of the ark. It was between these two smaller cherubim that God would dwell among his people. Even though they would no longer be moving the ark, they left the poles in it as was prescribed in the law. The poles could be seen from the holy place if the doors were open and were still in the temple when 1 Kings was written. The Ark of the Covenant was designed to hold the two tablets with the Ten Commandments inscribed in the stone by God and later the jar of manna and Aaron's budding rod were placed inside the ark as well. These were to testify of God's miraculous provision of food and his supernatural selection of Aaron and his sons to be the priests. But now the only thing that remained in the ark were the two tablets. In the end, it isn't the supernatural miracles that endure, but the everlasting word of God. Jesus said that heaven and earth will pass away, but his words will never pass away. The same is true in our lives. Experiences of God's presence and his provision are wonderful. They confirm our faith, but it is the word of God that is the rock on which our faith is built. And it came to pass when the priests came out of the holy place that the cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. The rabbinical designation of this cloud was the Shekinah glory from the Hebrew root meaning to dwell. This was the visible manifestation of the Lord's presence in their midst. It appeared in the tabernacle after Moses put all the furnishings in their proper places. And now it appeared again in Solomon's temple. Thus, this Shekinah glory was a sign of acceptance. God approved of the new temple and took possession of it. How wonderful this must have been for everybody involved. There have been times in a worship service where we have felt the presence of God so thick that we cannot help but lift our hands and give God praise. But this presence of God so filled the temple that the priests couldn't even minister and they had to get out of the sanctuary. Then Solomon spoke, The Lord said he would dwell in the dark cloud. I have surely built you an exalted house and a place for you to dwell in forever. So Solomon addressed the Lord. 
The dark cloud to which he referred was probably the cloud that appeared on the top of Mount Sinai. The Lord spoke out the Ten Commandments from this dark cloud in the hearing of the people. And it was so terrifying that the people begged Moses to go up and talk to God himself and then come back down with the words that he received. They didn't want to hear the Lord's voice anymore. Indeed, Solomon had built the Lord an exalted house. It was as permanent as he could make it, but would it really be the Lord's dwelling place forever? Perhaps it would have been had the people continued to follow the Lord, but that was not the case. And the day would come when the prophet Ezekiel would see the Lord's presence depart from his house. Then the king turned around and blessed the whole assembly of Israel while all the assembly of Israel was standing. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel who spoke with his mouth to my father David and with his hand has fulfilled it, saying, Since the day that I brought my people Israel out of Egypt, I have chosen no city from any tribe of Israel in which to build a house that my name might be there. But I chose David to be over my people Israel. Now it was in the heart of my father David to build a temple for the name of the Lord God of Israel. But the Lord said to my father David, Whereas it was in your heart to build a temple for my name, you did well that it was in your heart. Nevertheless, you shall not build the temple, but your son, who will come from your body, he shall build the temple for my name. So the Lord has fulfilled his word, which he spoke, and I have filled the position of my father David and sit on the throne of Israel as the Lord promised. And I've built a temple for the name of the Lord God of Israel. There I have made a place for the ark in which is the covenant of the Lord, which he made with our fathers when he brought them out of the land of Egypt. Solomon must have been overjoyed. His most important life's work had been completed, and the Lord blessed it with his presence. He turned around to bless the people. They had worked hard to construct this temple, and now they would all enjoy the fruit of their labors. Then Solomon blessed the Lord, which is to say that he praised his holy name. Solomon realized that he had been able to complete this great work because the Lord had decreed it. David wanted to build the temple, but God wouldn't let him. Instead, he told David that his son Solomon would build it. Solomon was simply cooperating in the work God initiated. And that is how God works. He isn't looking for you to initiate anything. Rather, he is looking for you to cooperate with what he initiates. The best thing we can do is to get close enough to God to discover what he has initiated and then to cooperate with him in the work. This foreordination is not unique to Solomon. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Ephesians, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
This is one of my life verses because it shows us that God has a foreordained purpose for everyone who responds to his grace by believing in Jesus Christ. We can only believe because God has chosen us and he has chosen us for good works which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That isn't only for Solomon, it's for you and me as well. Therefore, there are two questions we must ask ourselves. First, have I responded to God's grace by believing in Jesus Christ? And second, am I willing to walk in the good works which God has prepared for me? Again, God initiates, we cooperate. Solomon had made a place for the Ark of the Covenant. In fact, this was the purpose of the temple, to house the Ark where God would dwell among his people. The last temple was destroyed in 70 AD. There is no more physical temple that can be called the house of God. Jesus made it clear that he was the temple of God, for he came to dwell with us. And now we who believe in him are the temple of God, for God dwells with us and in us by the Holy Spirit. Now his covenant is not written on tablets of stone, but upon our hearts. This is the glory of the new covenant. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Tomorrow we'll see where Solomon dedicates the temple with a powerful prayer that God will incline his eye and ear to all who seek him there. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of 1 Kings on Simply the Bible. Simply the Bible